All right, what's going on, everyone? Back again on the podcast, Caleb Taylor, Nick Marsh, and uh, today we're just talking fishing. We're at uh, Schultz's Outfitters in Ypsilanti, Michigan, here at the Fall Bass Bash, surrounded by a lot of guys who just eat, sleep, breathe, fishing, college anglers, high school anglers, uh, content creators, and uh, it's just been an awesome day hanging out with guys, talking fishing, and right now we've got Kobe Pellerito, who uh, fished for us for, with a little fished with us for a little bit of Adrian, and then uh, kind of shot off, did his own thing, creates a lot of content, uh, takes content for FLW, MLFLW, and uh, just an all-around bass head, man. That's right. Just you guys him. probably definitely seen a lot of his work on Instagram. Uh, dude takes some unbelievable pictures. Um, I think so, Kobe. Welcome to the podcast. You, Thank you. So, who do you work with right now? You work, don't you? Do stuff with like Mega Bass? Yeah, I, w- I work very closely with with Mega Bass America. Um, I do a lot of their social management and social uh, photography as well, content creation for them. Um, and then I do some stuff with Thirty Jigs up out of Wisconsin. Yep. I work very closely with the Tactical Bassin Boys. Uh, they're good awesome. friends of mine. Uh, yeah. I help them with some social Sweet. stuff. Um, and then I also do, you know, through the, through my content creation side like my business side from the photography and video standpoint i do stuff for z-man and several other different companies well, there well, you go Shimano, so all he's stuff. all over the place yeah. he's got some good stuff <laughs> so i guess introduce yourself a little bit maybe uh, uh give you know give a background where you're from and, and how you kind of got into it and how you met us yeah yeah that's, that's a good, good story too to add to it my name's kobe pellerino as i mentioned i am a uh i'm a bass addict if we want to go about it that way <laughs> um i was born in detroit michigan grew up Grew up there till I was about 10 or 11. Didn't actually fish, ironically, right on the shores of St. Clair. I never fished while I was there. But uh, we moved to Gladwin, Michigan, a little tiny town in the middle of nowhere uh, when I was 11. And that's kind of when I got into fishing, got kind of started into it. Um, and then it kind of snowballed towards my later years of high school to the point where I kind of stepped out of all my sports because I wanted to fish. Right. So, um, and then I, uh, yeah, attended a small community college. And when the Adrian Bass team kind of came together, uh, my parents were like, hey, are you interested in something like that? I'm like, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, I kind of right. got into the tournament stuff <laughs> sure. a little bit and like, sure. you know, but only on a small local level. And, um, and so I went and tried it out, checked it out. And that's how I actually met these two cats, which yeah, is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, connected with both these guys through the team. We were some of like the original three of the original 10, I would say. Right. Yeah. 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 So no, I think we had like, yeah, it was either nine or 10 nine guys. Or 10 and yeah. yeah. And then, uh, um, it didn't really work out for me personally after I stayed the first semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I was used to the small town life by that right. point, I think. And sure. so being in a, in a dorm room without my boat was kind of different. I'd come <laughs> from working at a sporting goods store and yep. having my boat to fish after class and all that. Oh yeah. And, uh, so yeah, that was just kind of a, I, I was a personal choice for me, but I kind of stepped away from that and stepped away from the tournament scene actually after mm-hmm. that as well. Um, and really the photography stuff didn't come into play until shortly after I bought my first GoPro. Okay. Um, and go. that's kind of, that was kind of what started the Instagram stuff and yep. started the, you know, oh, sharing yeah. that stuff and, was able to connect with some amazing people through social media and through my yep. account there. And, um, it kind of grew into what it is now. It's, it's sure. been, it's been really cool. It kind of, you know, I purchased a, you know, kind of invested in a nice camera and kind of tried to step up my game a little bit and, right. and that kind of helped grow into what it, what it is now. And, and, uh, it allows me to still be within the fishing, right. within the fishing space, oh, around the fishing space all the time. I mean, you get, to go, you get to go to some pretty cool places and, and see some awesome bodies of water, take mm-hmm. some awesome pictures and, and learn a lot. You know, mm-hmm. that's the cool thing is like, you know, being a photographer, following these guys around doing all that. I mean, you, you probably learn just about as much as anyone does because you're with the guys who are doing mm-hmm. the best normally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get to see what they're doing, what they're catching them on, where at. So that's, that's gotta be pretty cool. I mean, you got to learn a ton doing it. 
for sure. Yeah, it's very cool the opportunity to be able to yeah see it firsthand. You're learning oh, yeah. from different people from different parts of the country and different places. And yeah, cool. it's very neat the education aspect of it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, let's touch a little bit on the social media aspect just real quick. Yeah. I don't want to go in too in depth, but for some of our listeners and for our younger audience who's trying to break into the fishing industry, uh, become better anglers, but that social media is such a big part of obviously everything now. Uh, what are some of your tips there when it comes to social media? How do you grow your presence and how do you use it to effectively connect with people in the industry? That's a great question. Um, I think the first, the most important thing, and I think is why what helped grow my connections and stuff was was taking it seriously from a like a business perspective, right? Like kind of create, you find your lane and you create your, your brand and whether that be fishing, whether that be skateboarding, you know, you kind of stick within that realm, right? And keep your content professional, keep it, you know, keep it focused on one specific thing. Like we might all have lives outside of fishing that, you know, might, whether it be partying or doing something else, but you don't share that stuff on that page. Like that's a big way because you never know who's seeing it. It might be the owner of Megabass. It might be the owner of, you know, whatever XYZ company. Um, and so having that professional appearance and that professional, yep. you know, account goes a long ways, right? Like For showing, sure. show, and, but also show, you know, focus on what it is you love about it, right? Like don't try to be somebody else because you'll get burnt out and you won't right. enjoy it, right? right. You got to do it for what you, what element you enjoy of it, right? Um, but then also there's the other things you can get into to, to helping grow it, right? Is, is consistent posting, mm-hmm. you know, quality photos, you know, interact with other people on there, you know, yep. talk to people, find people that are in your niche. Look at the hashtags. This is a really great way to connect with people that you might not otherwise find. You know, you click yep. on the hashtag bass fishing, you find some guy from Northern Michigan that's got cool photos. You're like, Hey, you know, shoot him a message, see what he's about. Don't try to steal the spots, but just try to make a friend, you know, <laughs> exactly. like right, connect exactly. with them and, and, yeah. and find ways to, yep. to, uh, to, you know, to, connect and i've made some of my best friends through social media yeah, as crazy as it sounds yeah. some of the dudes that i fish with and hang out with i've met through social media uh, that's and how it's, it goes. it's really cool i mean yeah. it's like you said if you're if you're you know directly going towards a certain niche and you find someone in that same niche yes. obviously you guys are going to have something in common yes. so it's yeah i mean it makes sense i yes. mean i don't think that's weird at all so yeah great tips all right well let's let's segue yep. into tactics chasing bass chasing largemouth chasing smallmouth yes uh obviously your page is full of giant smallmouth <laughs> and largemouth down in florida yes so that's right let's 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 touch on both but what's your personal favorite are you are you mainly like to chase smallmouth or yeah, yeah smallmouth smallmouth have my heart the, yeah. The, the, he, yeah. Says, he says yeah real soft <laughs> yeah. real soft smallmouth yeah. of my true love largemouth <laughs> will cover your ears no, <laughs> yeah. right. yeah no i i really the the elements of the Great Lakes largemouth stuff and just the Great Lakes region largemouth or smallmouth stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, the smallmouth, so, yeah, yeah. smallmouth <laughs> stuff is what uh, is what is what I really love doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just its own world, man. Like it's, it is. It's crazy. I mean, I I've Nick and I have sat down multiple times and just pulled up a map and just looked at all the water there's so and much. just gone. Yeah. Man, dude, there's some of that that's never been touched. <laughs> yes. There's some of it we could never fish at all. We don't yeah. have enough time in our lives to make it around mm-hmm. all the the water that bass smallmouth bass probably live in in yeah. the northern united states just yeah. within just within our state yeah. i mean just there's enough to fish yeah Absolutely. there's enough to fish we, all. we were fortunate enough this year you know we got to go to a a pretty cool spot out in the middle of lake michigan and i almost don't even want to talk about it because like <laughs> no one really goes out there and it's, it's just kind of like fair. it's that's, a weather dependent yeah. thing yeah yeah I, I don't know i all right, you it know what? I'm not going to name any names. That's fair. Yes. It was one of those areas that not a lot of people get to go to. Yeah. yeah. 
and it just happened to be we had three days of perfect weather crazy to make a long run and get out there and it's it's just different right Mm -hmm. and and i told nick i said man i i love tournament fish i love Mm -hmm. to fish in general i said but i've never been this fired up to just go explore yeah Yeah. like running out there and i wasn't even my tournament we were in a high school event with some kids and practicing and it's like I was jacked up. Yeah. Because it's like, what am I going to see? What yeah. am I going to find? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't have a you clue. You never know. Yeah. And uh, it was awesome. It was just that's so cool. cool. I mean, it's basically like going out into the freshwater ocean, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's super cool. And and you spent some time over in Wisconsin, right? Yes. Uh, weren't yep. you over there for a bit? And it sounded like you found some crazy big ones over there as well. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I worked with a, a small resort in northern Wisconsin for two seasons, basically like a season and a half, two okay. seasons, um, up in the beautiful area of northern Wisconsin, the north woods up there. And yeah. It's yeah. there's so many lakes. If you look at it in the map up there, it looks like somebody just splattered a bunch of water, yeah. and there's just lakes everywhere it's you just turn. Like, uh, it's, it's just like Minnesota. Gosh, oh, so really Atlanta, ten thousand lakes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. But I so I swear Wisconsin has more because there's so many up there. I'm telling you, look at a map in <laughs> yeah. Minnesota and Wisconsin are like they're identical. There's in terms so of like, much, dude. There are lakes everywhere. Yes. Yeah. So no, that's super cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, so let's, I mean, let's dive in just a little bit as far as tactics, maybe locating smallmouth mm-hmm. on these giant bodies of water, mm-hmm. maybe some of the things you look for, and uh, maybe just some, some stories behind some cool catches that you've had um, that could, you know, paint a picture for listeners out there who yeah. maybe haven't seen the Great Lakes as much as they'd like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Um, man, locating it is locating fish on the Great Lakes is something we could talk about for a whole podcast. Oh my God. So, no kidding. Um, but the, I think the, the easiest way and the way you could break it down, the simplest would be, you know, take a look at your map, right? Focus on your zone. Don't look at the whole lake. Look at the area where you're interested in checking out, right? And pick, like the five most obvious things within a reasonable distance from one another. Right. <laughs> that's how it's because you can't pick things that no. are 30 miles apart. Well, you look at a map and you go, oh, that's pretty close. And then yeah. you're like, you get all that six like, miles. Oh, never mind. That's not <laughs> yeah. close. So pick, pick a few things within a, within a reasonable distance and, and kind of obviously seasonal aspects come into play too. Right. right? But pick things that are within that seasonal distance. Um, and, you know, and util- and and then go check them out, right? Use your eyes. So we're, we're fortunate in the Great Lakes. We're a lot. We're able to use our eyes in many of the places because of the clear water. Yes. So you can yeah. just idle around in your boat and stand up in your seat and just look and look and look and look. And a lot of times, especially in the early spring season or, or even fall time, you'll see those fish roaming around, cruising, oh, yeah. doing their thing, just looking and just look for them. And that's that's can be one of the. The, one of the things that eats up a lot of people when they go up to the Great Lakes is they fish too much, right? right. And that might sound silly, but they're fishing water they never saw one or never got bit in. Yeah. And, and you can beat a, burn up a day in no time. So I think that's a you bring up a very good point, something that I've preached to a, a lot of people that have tried to learn from me in terms of northern Michigan smallmouth yeah. or Great Lakes smallmouth is like your number one tool is your eyes. Absolutely. I, I am telling you right now, I have learned – way 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 more about those fish in those lakes and areas with my eyes than mm-hmm. i have any any way else totally. i mean that's 100 totally. so to hear you say that like yeah this dude yeah he's he's a northern you're looking yeah no, it's the original live scope man yeah and, and with it the is. water that clear there's no reason to not have a great pair of sunglasses yes costas get a good you know that we talked all year about that sunrise frame or that lens. Um, that sunrise, yeah, sunrise silver mirror is a game changer. It's fantastic. Uh, absolute yeah. game changer. Especially in low light stuff. Especially yeah, in low light. So yeah. invest in your sunglasses, and I'm telling you, you don't need live scope when you have no, when you no. see 20 feet. Yes. Well, the, the crazy really part is, it. you know, this the last two years I've really started to explore. 
And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, as much as I've fished in northern Michigan, I, I had never been on East or West Bay. Mm-hmm. So the first time I got out there, like two or three years ago, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm sight fishing in 25 feet of water. What is going on? You know, like this crazy. And then it's like you get out to Lake Michigan and you're out in the lake 30 or 40 miles and you go, oh, my gosh, I can see bottom in 30 to 40 foot. Yeah, right. 38 foot of water. I mean, this life. is like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's the craziest yeah. thing. So. Yeah. No, that's that's super super cool to see. Super good yeah. advice. Yeah, Absolutely. use your eyes. Start with your eyes. That's that's great advice. Um, I guess seasonality. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite time of year to be out there chasing smallmouth? Probably the fall time. The fall time. Yeah, fall time's fall pretty time's special. Summer. Springtime's really cool because um, you can see a lot of them shallow. But fall time, you get some really big fish that come up that don't otherwise don't come up and make mm-hmm. mistakes because sure. there's that urgency that with the, with the, the winter coming and the the need to gain weight That's so you get right. fish that you get really big fish that just come out of nowhere you know yeah, <laughs> that yeah. you might not see in the spring right she might spawn 25 feet down but right in this in the fall time you get those really special fish and oh, and just the the christmas of the air you know the beautiful fall leaves we get up here you know you got all those things that kind of come in with it and yeah. don't don't let don't let kobe fool you okay this dude will wear flip-flops when it's 30 <laughs> degrees out okay i mean shoes don't come out until Absolutely necessary. <laughs> he is talking about Chris fall morning. He's like, ah, it was snowing. Yeah, but flip flops, we're good. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> only time I had to bust them out, the, I actually had to wear a pair of boots at the end of the season last year. But it was because I was the place I was fishing in Lake Michigan was so far offshore that I was taking waves over very frequently. Oh, it's never calm in November, right? Yeah. So yeah, the water's 40, 41 degrees, and my feet were just that was just too cold. But oh, but so that's when I did bring out the boots. But other than that, I did, I kept on the flip flops all year. It did pretty good. Oh my awesome, god. That's awesome. Yeah, fall is amazing to be out there. And, and a lot of times you, you lose a lot of boat traffic. I mean, your pleasure boater traffic goes yes, way totally. down. There's yeah. not a lot of yachts running around out Guys there. are hunting. Guys are yes. hunting. And uh, it's, it's just a great time to go explore. You know, it, I know a lot of the inland lakes, they get they clear up even more. Yes. You can just go look, like mm-hmm. you were saying. You can use your mm-hmm. eyes. I mean, I know this fall I've been fishing a lot of these inland lakes and just exploring new areas with my eyes, like you said. Uh Number one, there's not a lot of pressure. Number two, there's mm-hmm. I'm not in a tournament environment, mm-hmm. so I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about having to catch them. I'm more so looking for next year. You yeah, know? it's a great Let time to go learn. some little off-the-wall stuff for next spring or the summer when I want to come out here and maybe compete or something like that. So, yeah, that's that's great advice. The fall is an awesome time to get out there and spend time on the water. Yeah. Um, so what what's let's let's go into this. What what's your biggest smallmouth to date so far? What'd you catch it on? And maybe just like a general area of where, like, like the region that you call it. Tell me a lake. Yeah. Tell me a spot. Just like maybe the region that you caught it in. Or like no, what that's, state. that's okay. That's cool. No, there is a pretty cool story with that one. Uh, my biggest smallmouth is seven nine, seven pounds, nine ounces. Um, Giant. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful Giant. fish. Yeah. I've got, yeah, that one. I'll never forget that fish. Um, I caught it in northern Wisconsin. Um, two of my three over seven have come out of Wisconsin. Um, Wow. It was, yeah. yeah hang was, on, let's just go back. Two, you're three <laughs> over seven? Okay. <laughs> yes, got it. Awesome. yes, yeah, Wisconsin's got some big fish. Apparently. Um, but, yeah, it was it was actually a spring fish, which was really cool. It was one of those days, I, it was when I was still working up north there, and it was one of those days, you know, I look out, and it's just like, it was really calm, really clear. It was a spring day, one of the first really warm days, and I'm like, I got to get out there. So I like, got all my chores done, like, you know, in record time, right? Try right. to get out there. I'm cruising around the lake, just kind of looking. Same thing we were just talking about. Yeah. Literally, I was literally just like on the troll motor, on high, looking for for fish, moving around for new areas that fish yeah. might be staging in. Um, and I stumble across. I literally come across this 
big wolf pack, probably seven or eight fish, um, and they're all gigantic, big black, like females fish. Oh, yeah. Um, I flick a hair jig behind my boat right off my shoulder because I just drifted past them, right? I didn't want to stop right on them. And the first one I catch was like five four, and I was like, cool, it's a beautiful fish. I'm right. all stoked, right? Um, it was about four thirty in the afternoon, right? It gets dark about seven thirty up there. This sure. this kind of comes into play. For later, you'll understand why. Um, I caught that five four. I proceeded to. These fish were in about three foot of water on a shallow rock ridge, right, okay. right up by shore. But there's like yep. a little rock line, and they were not spawning. There were no beds made yet, but they were just kind of like cruising this rock line because I think they wanted to spawn there. Sure. But none of the males had made any beds yet. Yeah. Um, and in that group, there was one that was really big. And I texted my boss when I first saw that group. I'm like. Yo, I just found a big group, and I think one's over seven. He's right. he text back, you know, catch it. I'm, yeah, like, right. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I start like creeping. I put, you know, I like, I start like put the troll motor really low, and I'm like trying to like connect with that group again because they took off to the right. And I run into them at the other end of the rock line, and like three of them peel off towards deeper water, but like the big one and one other one kind of turn back left and start going back down the rock line. And so this went on for another hour. I would like kind of creep back down the other end, kind of intercept them. And anytime I'd throw the lightest thing I could, I had seven pound fluoro and a little hair jig was the lightest thing I had. And anytime it would land on the water, they would just kind of spook off. Yep. I'm like, man. Yeah. So it gets to about, I did this for about two, three hours with this fish. And at that point it was just the big one and one other one left. The other one had kind of left. And, and, uh, I was like, I, I was like digging through my boat. You know, it's like one of those things you're looking, you're trying to figure out what can I, what can I do differently yeah. that's gonna get this fish to like calm down. I would like leave her alone for 20 minutes. I even changed my shirt. I turned, went from a green sun shirt yeah. to like a tan, like low color, um, and I was losing light. It was about 7:15. And I ran back to, the, I ran back to my truck. Because I had some stuff. I had a bunch of tackle because I was like, basically living on my truck when I yeah. worked up there. And I grabbed a spool of five-pound fluoro, and I grabbed these little mega bass makes this little tiny, I'm going to tell you the little bait, it makes this little straight tail hazdong is what it's called. They make okay. a hazdong shad, which is a swim yep. bait. Yep. But in Japan, they make this one that's a little straight tail. It looks like a sure. little leech, basically. Yeah. Yep. They have a 2.8-inch size, real small, real subtle. I'm like, I'm going to try something like that. Right. A lot of these old-timers use leeches up here. Yep. You know, like, that's the closest thing I can think what of. Color, right? It was black. Black, one? yeah, black oh, with, like, okay. a little, little, yep. amb- little, little, like, purple flake, like, a okay. violet flake in it. Yeah. Um, I rigged that up, and I go back to these on the other side of the lake. Real quick, how'd you, how'd you rig that up? I rig it up on a uh, on a number four drop shot hook. Okay. With no weight. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> on five-pound line. And I run all the way back across the lake. I get to the, I'm pulling up on the shore and I see there's a, there's two big boulders, a couple logs that I had seen fish on. I cast to the one big boulder and I catch a five, six on that little rig. I'm like, nice. no, you know, like it worked, right? Right. right. Yeah. And I'm like, sweet, I can do this. Dude, you cast out there. I can barely cast. Like right. it's just super light. I cast it out there. Um, and it just like shimmies. It's just like yeah. this cool little fall. Cause that hook's so small, but it gives it like this neutral kind of fall. Right. So I run into that big girl on the, it was be the east side of that reef i see okay. her again she's still there and she's just gigantic yeah <laughs> and this is like 7 30 i can barely see anything it's, yeah i run into her there she turns around does the same thing we've done this like six yeah. times now she turns around i'm like i'm gonna meet her at the other end i go wide my trolling motor's on two i've been just creeping yeah. the whole night i'm, I'm getting excited like telling <laughs> oh, it was so this cool is, right yeah this i is, meet her I, I get to the other end and i wait and i don't see her and then I see this very, like, I can barely see. I have, like, my, I have yeah. literally those yellow yeah. sunrise mirror. Yeah, yeah. I have those glasses on. I see this little flicker of, up by the shore. She was up inside. She kind of moved in a okay. little bit. And I led her by, like, 10, 15 feet. And it was her because I, I got a better look at it. It was her. I led her by, like, 10, 15 feet. And she see that bait hits the water. And she sees it. 
I can see the moment. Like, I remember the moment when she, like, locked on. She saw it fluttering. Dude, she swam right over and ate it. No hesitation. Went right over and ate it. Wow. No. And I was like, wow. oh, my. Yeah, right. <laughs> my stomach just, like, sank. And I was, like, quivering, but I'm trying not to, like, you know, I'm, like, trying not to freak out and yeah. mess it up. I was using this really cool old rod from Megabest Japan. It's called the Hedgehog. It's got this, this they call it the stinger tip. It's, like, this solid graphite tip that's okay. super sensitive, like, super li- flimsy almost. Yeah. Like a Like a l- ice fishing rod has yeah. this little tip. Yep. And she... Eats it. I set the hook with that little rod because that was like the only way that I could like cast that thing was right. with that little rod. And she just like comes up and like wallers on the surface. And can't I'm like, even oh. jump. Yeah, can't even yeah. jump. Can't do anything. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like drags loose. I'm just right. letting her like, and I'm getting her. She jumps like twice more, comes under the boat. And I finally like, get her in the net. And I didn't realize how big she was. I thought yeah. she was over. I've never caught one over seven at that point. Right. I thought she was over seven because she was just so much bigger than yep. I'd caught. And <laughs> yeah, and I get her in the net and I put her on, I had a Brecknell scale. Yep. And I put it on that Brecknell scale, and it's like flashing between 7, 9, 7, 12, 7, 9, 7, 12. It never stopped because you know how those scales are. They're super yeah, sensitive. Right. So I'm not going to call the highest weight, but it, but it was every bit of 7, 9. Like, oh, my gosh. It was, yeah, it was a beautiful fish. And the cool <laughs> part was, this was a really interesting part, was I, l- I always do this thing where I leave them in the net when I'm between weigh-in and setting up the camera. So they're yeah. in the water, in the net, so they can breathe the whole time. They yeah. can relax the whole time. Right, yeah. And while she was in the net, another fish, probably about six and a half pounds, came up and sat next to her in the net. Sat right there by the boat. What? Just hung out. And I'm not kidding. It was really cool. It was like they were like friends or like mates or something. I I swear they were sisters because the way they acted. But she sat there for a few minutes and she kind of pulled off a little bit. I took all the pictures, let her go, got measurements and everything, let her go. When When I put her in the water to let her go, that other fish came out of nowhere and they swam off together. It was no really way. cool. It was like That's they were friends. Amazing. She was making sure she was okay. It Super was really cool, dude. I've never seen anything like it. So, but, but yeah, I'm, that's the story of my biggest one. That kind of wow. goes along. That's super cool story. That is like, I mean, to hear that, you know, that whole breakdown, awesome. But that last part, it, it kind of almost reassures me of something that I've been kind of thinking the last few years. You know, these northern smallmouth that we chase, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're old fish. You mm-hmm. know, we, we've talked about it. they're 15 20 years old yeah, that, that yeah, fish yeah very easily could have been 20 or plus absolutely years old, right yes so I, I think that some of these fish you know they've been caught so many times over the years that they you know they like you have to go to these crazy tactics mm-hmm. to catch those giants mm-hmm. because they know they're smart they've done mm-hmm. it like they have personalities and i know for a fact that i've caught the same fish in the same bed years apart That's like a hundred percent there's no yeah. like some of them have markings on yeah. black dots on them or something yeah. and i've got pictures of like dude that is the same fish there's no or like i mean it's so that's super interesting to hear. I totally think that some of these fish have personalities. They roll in the same, they go to the same areas every yeah. year. Like, yes, I agree. 100%. Totally. There's totally. actually, there was a study done on one of the areas that we fished in out in Lake Michigan where, you know, guys are catching the exact same tagged fish, you know, year after year mm-hmm. after year in the same exact areas. So that was pretty cool to hear. Like, you know, that kind of confirms, but that's, I've never heard of something like that. Leaving it in the net, yeah. another one coming up Come, to hang out. She literally just came up and sat. It was that's really crazy. Yeah. I totally agree with uh, what you're saying. Though. I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing story right, right. there. I mean, that's super cool. That's super cool. That, like, I mean, it would have been cool if you made like one cast and caught that fish too. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that you had to go through that it. whole thing. Yeah. yeah. To basically yeah. hunt it, to say, I don't know what I'm going to throw at this thing. Mm-hmm. I got to figure it out. Go back to my truck. <laughs> yeah. I got to dial it in. I go back to my truck. Yeah. I got to stay off for like mm-hmm. all of those little things that come together mm-hmm. to boom, she mm-hmm. eats it. I get a chance to mm-hmm. hook this fish. That's, that's amazing. And that's, that's, really that's like what it's all about. That's like the chase right there. Absolutely. That's, that's totally, yeah, I mean, that's, that's totally what, I think that's part of what kind of has spawned my, you know, addiction and kind of changed 
what fishing like what smallmouth has turned into me for now now i'm just looking for these those moments like that for oh, looking yeah. for that fish 100%. that's that you know that's that age that's that size it might not be five bites for me anymore now it's more so i'm just looking for one yeah. you know and that's oh, yeah. that's what yeah giants that's that's amazing man that's uh thank you a heck it was, of a story it was um, really cool yeah so as far as smallmouth go we'll touch on them a little more before yeah. i do want to touch on the largemouth yeah that you that you've caught down south i know you've caught a lot of big largemouth in florida but as far as, as far as the smallmouth go up here, um, maybe just some of your favorite general tactics for approaching fish in general, yeah, smallmouth, yeah. and uh, catching them. And yeah, what's uh, like your top three baits yeah, to your, catch your, smallmouth? Your top on. three ways. Um, as far as like top three fun wise, <laughs> uh, or versus fishability, I'll, I'll do both. Um, one of my favorite ways to catch them is a crankbait. Um, I, I really, really enjoy, especially on the Great Lakes side yeah. of things. I don't do it as much inland, but on the Great Lakes side of things, uh, you know, smashing a crankbait into like shallow rocks oh, uh, yeah. and catching them because that is just yeah. such a cool bite when yep. they eat that thing. When you're just winding along, and the whole rod yeah. just loads right up. It's yeah. just that's really cool. So I really like uh, like a mid mid depth range crankbait. You know, kind of that 15 foot range. Yep. Um, fishing though but fishing them shallower that's one of my favorite ways to catch them sure um i throw a lot of a lot of like small swim baits you know medium-sized swim baits that's yeah. that's another way that it'd probably be up there in my top three and then uh a jerk bait is another one that i really enjoy yeah. just because the the amount of elements that go into you know getting a successful jerk bait bite because sometimes sure. you can fish the wrong color and they'll they'll come look at you like you're you know you're foolish and then you yeah. change colors and then they're eating it head first that's you know right. so those elements of that make it a real fun way to catch them um so yeah those are probably my top three as far that's, as you hear that with a lot of smallmouth guys a swim bait is like mm-hmm. that is always in mm-hmm. the top two baits it seems it, like it's so versatile too yeah. because of how you can fish it I mean, totally you can fish, fish it slow on the bottom you can fish it up in the water column yep uh Lots of different colors and stuff. Drag it, drop it, it, drop it. Yeah, that's exactly it. You can use it in so many ways, and it's a great way to cover water. And that's that's so much of what we need to do. Oftentimes with the Great Lakes stuff, is you have to be able to fish water fish efficiently, a lot of water, you know, to locate them sometimes. And yeah, it's a great way to to uh, to to cover water. And there's like you said, there's so many different ways you can fish them. You can drag it on a bottom on a football head. You can fish it on you know on a ball head and just swim it. You know, there's it's a great way. Very very versatile. And uh, yeah, those are all three baits that if you're a smallmouth angler anywhere in the country you you got to have in your arsenal yeah. you better know how to Absolutely. effectively effectively use those three baits so that's that's good stuff man yeah we love chasing those smallmouth up here being up here in michigan i mean obviously st Clair, the detroit river yeah. lake erie i mean we just have smallmouth factories all around us so mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard to get away from those you know when you get a chance and the weather's right you're just like and we got to get out there we <laughs> yeah. got to get out there gotta get to we the gotta, big lake go we gotta go and try it out so but that being said uh you can't keep flip-flops on when there's ice out, right? That's so right. You, you've spent a lot of time down in Florida chasing some big largemouth, creating some content down there. Uh, just touch a little bit on the the largemouth side of things and what you've seen in Florida and, you know, maybe some of the, uh, you know, why you went down there and what you learned. Yeah. 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 Um, so Florida's, Florida's really cool. It's it's become a huge part of my life, and, and probably I think it was 2000. 16 i went down there right after christmas with a good buddy of mine it was never i'd never bass fished in florida and we fished you know a handful of lakes we had no clue what we were doing sure. and i caught a i caught like a six pounder on the Kissimmee chain and i was like this place is so cool <laughs> like yeah. it was brutal tough but i was like this place is so cool like yeah. you could, we launched at camp mac you know we got like that whole feel like down yeah. there it's just all that really cool um and i kind of made like a goal like i want to when i get like 
you know, college age or something, like I want to come down here in a camper and like fish for the winter, you know, like kind of made a joke about it. So like a couple years passed, I went through college and all that stuff. And, and I had a season in college that kind of lined up a little differently, uh, where I only had a couple light classes and the, there I knew go. the professor really well. So I'm like, I'm going to leave for the month of Florida or for the month of February. I'm sorry. And like, you know, I'm just going to do my classes from down there and I'm going to go fish. And like, I didn't, at that time when I decided I was going to go, I didn't own a truck. I didn't own a camper. I just had my boat and a Jeep. I'm go. like, what am I going to do? You know? And so in like the month of January, I bought like, I bought a truck. I bought this old, like 1970s truck camper, had to put a whole bunch of money into the truck to be able to let it, like, let it hold the truck camper. Cause the camper was way too big. Oh, <laughs> I had a buddy of mine, like welding, like these ratchet things to hold it, oh, like all gosh. kinds of stuff. It was my parents. I don't know how my parents slept that month of yeah. me deciding to go down there, but we got it all rigged up and I get this, this ridiculous setup and I'm going to go to Florida. Yeah. I got this, this really awesome little park down on, on Lake Kissimmee. They made an exception for me. It's a retiree community, and they like made an exception for me <laughs> to come stay wow, in there. Cool <laughs> yeah, and I had a dock on the water, oh and I'm like, gosh. best case. It was like three hundred fifty dollars for the month, and I was oh. like, I can do this, you know. So I went down there with the goal of catching a ten pounder, right? Like I wanted to catch a big fish. Um, and about three weeks into it, I found I found this really cool area where a bunch of really big fish had moved up, um, and I'd caught so like probably. Three days prior, I caught a I caught a nine one, and I was all geeked up. It was the biggest yeah. at the time by far, all jacked up. And then, like two days later, um, I pull up in an area and I catch a I caught that that special area and I caught a yeah. nine eight, oh, and I was close. like, goodness gracious, You're like, like this right is so there. awesome. I was like all freaked out. And the very that same day, I went back through. I'd fished through the area, caught a bunch of other big fish yep. or you know decent fish like four or five pounders. Mm-hmm. And I came back down that same stretch and I got to the same waypoint where I caught that nine eight and I made the same cast. And at the very it was like sunset, like five thirty. You know, sun's going right. down. Made that same cast and I hook up with this fish and it jumps all the way out of the water and it's bigger. And, and like, I just dude, my stomach was like in knots. Oh and I put it gosh. on the scale and I'm not gonna lie, like. I teared up when it was, it was 10, five, oh, 10 wow. pounds, five ounces. Giant. And I teared up because of like, not because of like just how big the fish was, but because of like how hard it had been to get down there yeah. and like make it happen. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yep. and so, yeah, so I caught that, I caught that 10, five and I was just, it just made my whole life. Right. Oh, like it was such sure. a cool moment. You're, you're and then, old, man. Yeah, like, you're like, I did it. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. Pounds. I did what I did. Yeah. What I came here for. And the cool part was that Florida trip unknowingly that first year, it was just a fish. Right. Mm-hmm. But unknowingly I made some really great friends down there that trip sure. and made some connections in the, in the, you know, in the fishing industry while I was there fishing and while I was there hanging out. And, um, it opened the door for me the past I've gone now, this, I've gone now four years. I've gone every winter. Um, and it's gotten longer and longer since then <laughs> I've gone every, every winter now, but, um, it made some really cool, you know, I was able to have some really cool opportunities to do more work while I was there. Right. And right. not have it be just right. like an expense, but have a way to like make, make money through money. the winter, you know? Right. And, um, and that's kind of what it's turned into now, a little combo, you know, I get that's to, I get to, get, I get to stay working in the fishing industry and I get to, you know, without having to shoot ice fishing <laughs> and, then, <laughs> right. and then I get to, you know, I get to have an opportunity to fish as well, there which you is, you know, you can't complain. Best case. That. So, that's, yeah, exactly. that's the best case. So it's yeah, been really, that's, really cool. that's an incredible story. I mean, Florida can be special when they move up like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. so I guess you've probably been back there. You've probably been yeah. back to that same area. Mm-hmm. Is it an area that yearly has, if you time it right, are they pulling up there? Or, you know, because going back to the smallmouth, one thing you hear a lot about with these guys that catch them in places is, man, I haven't caught them there in years. Mm-hmm. And I always check, but they're mm-hmm. not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. weird. Just smallmouth mm-hmm. use areas, and then they don't. Mm-hmm. And it can take forever for them to find their way back. Is it similar down in Florida with these largemouth in these areas, or how have you seen that play out? Because yeah. that area sound like you were in was loaded. Yeah, yeah. So is it a yearly it's, thing? Or? It's it's interesting. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
like the smallmouth up here don't you know utilize similar areas i think we have less changes in our actual structure right because a lot of our stuff is hard bottom mm -hmm. not as much grass impacted but down down in florida the structure is the grass or the, the cover of grass is the structure that makes the lake right? right and so so yeah that ironically enough that area has basically completely changed um yeah. from that first year wow. and like to the point where last year it was so choked out with hydrilla that you couldn't even fish it yeah but like yep. then they cut it all and then like the you know so it, it changes every year i've caught a few fish there since but ironically i've never Nothing caught them like never it was. caught them the like it was that yeah. one time it was like one of those things that you checked it and they were all there and then you've checked it every time since and it hasn't been quite the same. the same um yeah it, it's really interesting how much that's one thing that florida has definitely taught me is how much that grass changes every year and how much those fish relate to it and mm -hmm. and change with it you know how that lakes you know you think you, you got some good waypoints right because you fished it four years now it's a new lake every year i go uh, down yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's seriously you know they, they say that florida's like you know, the Michigan of the South. And I mean, this is like spot on with what you hear from St. Clair guys. St. Clair guys are literally like, I pretty much will delete all my waypoints, you know, every year because all you're doing is following schools in the main mm -hmm. basin. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. Like year after year, it's different. Florida, same thing. The grass changes every year. It's always mm -hmm. different. So yep. yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's, that's cool to hear at least, you know? And Right. Absolutely. I think it's just a, it's a piece of advice that younger anglers can take and, and, all anglers and and just not being hard headed, yes. and saying I caught yes. them here before, they're going to be here at some point because yeah. you ecosystems change mm -hmm. yeah. and the fish change with it. Absolutely. So being yes. open minded, Spot finding new things uh, is usually the way to go. And you, you see that a lot with guys who win tournaments too. I mean, it's yeah. not always in the same area all the time. Yeah, right. Uh, they they find off the wall stuff because. Mm -hmm things change yep they're That's a living right. creature right like we yeah. you know that they're never going to do the same thing you yeah. know maybe not the same type they just they just go based on what's going to make them comfortable or where the food is or you know a variety of reasons but yeah you're For totally sure. right they're they're always moving always doing something different For sure so those florida fish what's your way i mean what's your favorite way to approach those fish as far as tactics and uh Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, if I had it my way, I would love to be able to catch them punching all the time. I think that's really awesome and really yeah. fun. But oh, yeah. ironically enough, I went down there that first year, and I don't think I caught a single one punch. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, one of my favorite ways probably, though, consistently, and, and the way that I caught that 10-5 and the 9-8 that day uh, is on a chatterbait. I really enjoy go. fishing a chatterbait in the in the hydrilla and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that's just a really cool bite, and it yeah. has grown to be one of my favorites down there. It's not always easy. It's amazing how much it changes, like, some years they want it like you have to like rip it from the grass. Some years you're fishing a little faster, so that's been really interesting how much that changes. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, I would have to say that the the chatterbait bite's probably been my favorite. Sure. Um, I spent a lot. We spent a lot of time, you know, flipping flipping just a senko, you know, or like a gambler. Uh, what's the gambler? Fat the ace. ace yeah. Fat yep. Ace, yep. The yeah. fat ace is another yeah. one that you always have that stuff tied on. A yep. speed worm's another thing that's always have tied yep. on down there. Uh, but those three things are the things that you use probably the most uh, cool. when you're fishing the grass stuff and fishing up shallow like that. That's cool. That's mm -hmm. cool. So I think punching is probably one of my favorite ways to get like it, dude. If I could hook a ten pound largemouth yeah. punching, oh. oh man, absolutely, and, oh. Land, it. <laughs> and land it. Yes, uh, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. So yeah. many of those fish, just especially if you're in, you know that thick, thick stuff or pads, yeah. like it's just like I hooked them, but yeah, I getting them out get to them. Yeah, <laughs> getting them out is yeah. a different thing. Couldn't get them out, but uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, Florida's a. I mean, it's so. It completely contrasting, mm -hmm. right? You got the smallmouth, and then you got these large mouth mm -hmm. down in these jungles, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's such a cool contrast to see in different fish and how they behave, and uh, it, it's really cool to have experience with both and, yes. and hear your insights on both. So uh, well, we you. appreciate that. Appreciate you, yeah, giving us some insights. Into that's that. right. That's awesome stuff. Uh, man, anything else we? Uh, 
don't know. I mean, I mean, we could sit here and probably talk fishing for. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we could. I know. We were we totally for like thirty-five minutes. Yeah. yeah, it goes by so yeah. fast when yeah. you're when you're when you're talking about good fish and stuff. I guess I guess real quick, let's just talk about in general the industry and how things are going, mm-hmm. and maybe where you see bass fishing going in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some overlooked areas in the industry mm-hmm. that you're like, yeah, these areas are are starting to grow. Um, there's opportunities here, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. And where, cool. where you see yourself going in the next five years. That's, yeah. a, that's a good question. I, I ask myself that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, as with any, you know, self-employed type thing, you're, right. you know, a lot of it is very flexible and you're changing things constantly. You guys know yeah. that firsthand. Oh, yeah, um, so I don't know if I know where I'm going to be in five years, but sure. the, um, you know, obviously the, the tournament stuff is continuing to grow, right? Like that stuff's always going to keep playing a part of it. Um, you know, the, the media and coverage side of it is always going to be there because people sure. are going to need that side of stuff. So as long as we're able to kind of continue to do something around that, I think I'll still be, you know, you still go. be involved in the space. Um, I would love to, something that I, this might kind of be a different angle for the question, but I would love to find a way to, how do I word this? Teach and teach and share more conservation side mm-hmm. of things with with the anglers. I think we have a lot of young people that are very interested in it, and the, the conservation element of it isn't one that's taught or stressed very very much. So, 100%. Um, so uh, you know, I think it I think it's very important to teach like not only like on the water ethics for the for how to treat the fish and other anglers right and yeah. boaters, yeah. but also teach them you know how to handle your fish, you know, what's, what's stressful for the fish, what yeah. you shouldn't do if you're not, if you don't absolutely need to, you know, if you don't need to box them, don't do it, you know, sure. things like that. Yeah, like, sure. I think that I would love to find a way to incorporate that and, and, and just to spread that and teach people that there's just simple things you can do that make it a lot less harmful well, on those fish. I mean, you know, while we're here, why don't just go ahead and maybe give us a couple of tips on that yeah. conservation side okay. for, for, cause we, we do deal with a lot of younger anglers and I, myself am obvious. I'm very interested to hear the conservation side. Um, Cause I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, I know in talking with some of the Michigan Bass Nation, um, you know, we just don't do a lot for con- conservation yeah. and education for conservation and yeah. it's a resource, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and it's what drives this, uh, a lot of the, economic activity and yeah. our industry and if that resource isn't there uh, we can't do what we do we're not going to be around fishing yeah, yeah. or making yeah. money out of absolutely. it absolutely so absolutely. go ahead and give us some tips i guess real quick on just okay. fish care and yeah, uh, yeah. conservation that you've come to find out yeah yeah i think i think i think the biggest one that, that i would share that i that i've had people come in my boat and be like wow i never really thought of that but my biggest the biggest and most easy thing you can do if you catch a big one right and you want to get pictures you want to weigh it Get a net that's big enough that you can simply like step on it over the side and let mm-hmm. your fish like swim while you're getting your stuff ready, right? Like yeah. you can, you know, like it's so easy to do and those fish swim off so much stronger every time because they're awesome. able to breathe, they're able to recuperate. You know, imagine like, imagine if one of us, we just ran a hundred meter dash and then we got to stick our head under the water. Right. right. Like that's what right. those fish are doing, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're fighting for their life and then they have to hold their breath. They're <laughs> like, all right, put it this way. It's like, hey, you just ran a hundred yard dash uh, and now you've got to go into this confined room yeah. and catch your breath, okay? And yes. the lights are off yes. and you're like, basically you can put your arms out and that's as wide as the yeah. room is. And okay, six people it. before you had COVID in that room. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. there's, there's a lot of stuff that we don't think about, like cleanliness of live wells. Right. That, yeah. You know, like yeah. if you're jumping from the Great Lakes to an inland lake, like those fish on the Great Lakes are exposed to 
a lot of stuff that inland fish might not be or vice right. versa, right? Um, and so, like, if you don't need to put them in the well and you can keep them in better shape, keep them in their clean water, their cold water right there on the surface, you know, it's going to be, the fish are going to be a lot better off for it, right? Oh, um, and obviously things like, you know, don't land them on the carpet. Those are basic things, right? But but simple things that you can do to help that fish, you know, recover a lot stronger, right? Mm -hmm. Keep them in the water as much as you can. Don't handle them as, you know, handle them as little as you can. Um, and something I've also been doing recently that it's that I've been really enjoying just from a ease of use standpoint is I took a weigh-in bag, right? And I cut it in half and I stitched the bottom of it shut. So it essentially becomes like a half-size weigh-in bag and it fits like one big fish in it laying okay. I weigh, anytime I catch a big fish, rather than suspend them by their jaw or put it up in their gill plate, I just put them in that bag and I weigh them in the bag, right? You tear nice. out the bag before you start the weight. Yep. Dude, those fish are so much more calm. They never flop. They never yep. fall off. Yep. They never freak out. You know, every time they're just they're just sitting in there real quick. You wet the bag right before you put them yeah. in it. You tear it out on the That's scale. Cool. It's super easy. Yeah. And it, dude, I think it's it's a much more streamlined process for the fish. You know, they're, they're in the net. They're in that little bag for a second. You take a couple pictures yeah. and you let them go. Yeah. You know, just things, little things like that that take maybe a little more effort, right? But for sure. there's can, nothing that hurts my heart more than when I'm watching someone try and weigh a big one and they drop yes. a five pounder exactly. from literally chest. You're holding it at yes. your chest, trying to put it on a scale, and you drop it into the bottom yeah. of the boat. It's yes. like, dude. Oh fish my is gosh. Done. Yeah. yeah and and like we talked about earlier, man, those fish are a, a 20, 21 inch fish is anywhere oh. from 16 to 18 years old, they're 19 old. years old. They're you old. can't, well, you can't replace those overnight, no, man. We really can't, man. Yeah. Nope. And especially like when we're talking targeting trophy smallmouth, yep. I mean, there's, there's, it, it takes a long time for them to get those places. So we yeah. should take care of them so we can yeah. keep doing it. Right. No, yeah. Cause, exactly. and so I just think that too few people place emphasis on the fish as a living creature and more they're more of like a dollar sign and right. i think if we can yeah. kind of we can yeah. kind of put that that mindset into more people i think it would be awesome for the yeah. industry and for the fish and you know and, and and i know the mlf stuff some anglers are love it some anglers don't mm -hmm. but i think what they're trying to do with the immediate release the way release i think it's great, think it's great. I it, think it yeah is. the fish aren't being tra transported they're not being moved from their home yep. i think it'll just have a much more positive impact on the fishery especially oh, when totally you have a smallmouth yeah, yeah. the smallmouth well, yeah. don't do it, as well in the live well no. you know along exactly it goes right along with what you and i talked about earlier like i was saying like I, i've vis visually seen where like you catch a smallmouth off a of bed, and yes. gobies come in, and yes. our little baby piranhas um, yes. eating the eggs. Yeah, I was, I was, because I was talking to Nick about this the other day. I was just rifling through some forums because we've seen such a change, even in, since we've started fishing for yeah. smallmouth, in the ecosystems and the numbers and the yes. size and everything. And I'm just wondering what what is going on here. Yes. Um, and yeah, when you take the fish off their beds. And even when you put them back, they don't have the fight in them to defend, mm -hmm. even Absolutely. if they're on the bed. And Absolutely. I, that was a really interesting point that I had just been made aware of that I thought, you know, yeah, we catch them away and release them, put them back, they're fine. Yeah. But actually, it's not always it's not the always case. case. They don't have no any, any yeah. energy yeah. left to defend yeah. the bed. They've been yeah. sitting on that bed for five days straight defending, yes. hardly eating probably. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, they're killing gobies, but they're not but eating. But they're not eating they're, they're not, yeah, yeah. they're just yeah. killing yeah. them, right? That's so a, yeah, that's a big part of it, you know, and, then, and to think it's like, okay, so, hey, I did my part. I caught it and I really didn't put it back on that bed. Well, guess what? The guy behind you is coming behind you and it's a small mouth. Yes. They're aggressive. They're yes. dumb. They're going to eat the next and that's And that's the problem. And I think that's part, you know, part of the issue. And it's such a touchy subject. Some yeah. guys love it. Some guys hate it. And I think if we were able to realize, like, like you said, that 45 seconds, you have that fish off that bed. Those gobies are in there going ham, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> and, yep. and you have to realize like. I know it's so tempting and it's so cool to catch a big one off a of bed, but if you can pass up on it, 
it will help your lake yes. in the future so because the recruitment. Let me, let me ask yeah. you this, because this has been a thought that I've had for a long time. Now, in Michigan for deer hunting, they have zones, right? Yes. Like in, in duck hunting and all that, too. They have your north zone, middle zone, south zone. With bass fishing across the board in the entire state, catch and release season opens up at the same time, and catch and keep season ends, opens up at the same time. I truly believe that they should have a, a north and a south zone for the state yes. that says, hey, south zone opens up this time for catch and put in your live well yes. keep, okay? And the northern doesn't open until this time because yes. what happens is, you know, all the fish are done spawning downstate, mm-hmm. okay? And, and that's, that's normally fun. once, like, that's they're done, um, and then the catch and release or catch and keep season opens after they're done spawning. But the fish in northern Michigan are still spawning. Some yes. of them haven't even gotten their beds yet. Yes. So now those fish are spawning. Hey, let's go have a tournament up there. Yes. And they get 150 boats or 100 yes. boats on the lake. They pluck yep. all the bed fish. Yep. Great. So that's doing a lot for the fish. It, so exactly. I think that's that would be a really good thing for, and I don't know why that hasn't come up more. but And, and you see it in other places, like, oh, yeah. uh, like places over towards like New York or Canada. Um, Canada's a great example. Can, Canada's yeah. A, yeah, they do a lot of that seasonal, like, even tournaments, no, yeah. no tournaments yes. during this time. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I do, I wonder, because like I said this, it, and we've all said this, is a resource that affects our livelihood, yes. and it's a lot of fun, and, and we want to make sure it's as healthy as can be. So Absolutely. I, just seeing those changes in the last five to ten years that we've been chasing smallmouth has me a little worried. Yes. For sure, because you're yeah. not seeing the, the juvenile bass. You're seeing mm-hmm. lots of big ones who mm-hmm. can eat those gobies, mm-hmm. who can feed on them. So, of course, mm-hmm. they're going to blow up, mm-hmm. and they have, mm-hmm. and they're fun to catch. Mm-hmm. But where are the where's the, the next generation? Where's the in between? How long is it going to last? What's behind it? And what's what's? And I'm not a biologist by any right. means, yeah. So I don't know how the gobies yeah. are totally affecting. Yeah. But you know, they're from what I understand are invasive, and the way they mm-hmm. defeat their predators is they eat their eggs, <laughs> and yep. that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And so, so how are we protecting? The smallmouth bass, the, even all other predator mm-hmm. fish, walleye. Uh, and, and think about this, musky. right? When when it's when it's you know when the season comes on on Saint Clair and Erie, and that that the Canadian opener's coming, everyone is so excited to go to Canada because Canada has so many big fish, so many yes. great numbers. Yes. Okay. Well, well, let's take a step back. Why do we think that Canada has all these yes. great numbers? Because sure. guess yes. what? They're pretty strict yes. on their on their seasons, yes. right? On their yeah. dates. Yeah. So I I think. Yeah, that'd be that'd be something. Yeah, so, interesting so what? I mean, I guess what are your opinions on that? Maybe you know a little bit more because you've you've you touched that you want to push the conservation more, and I'm definitely interested in this topic and and understanding it more and and, be, and raising awareness if it needs to be raised because mm-hmm. it is a resource. So what? Maybe maybe you have a little more insight into that, especially when it relates to smallmouth. I mean, yeah, I, yeah there, I think just as a yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um. I think just as a whole, you know, between bass as a, as a whole, but like Nick was saying, you know, the way that the season is aligned, I think we have a lot to learn from the way Canada does, does things. Mm-hmm. And I know that it is, we all love to fish, right? We all want to be out there as much as we right. can. Right. And it would be difficult to say, let's cut back on the time we can be on the water. But sure. I think if it were to, like you said, if it were to help sustain things more, I mean, you look at a place like St. Clair, for example, so I've used it as an example a lot. The amount of pressure that St. Clair gets, right? The amount of fish that people still continue to catch out there. Mm-hmm. You have to wonder if the fact that the entire Canadian half has protected the whole spawn doesn't have a positive impact on the fact that there are any fish left in that place, <laughs> you know, with the right. amount of anglers. Right. Um, so I've thought about that a lot, and, and I think 
I don't necessarily know any, all the answers or any of the answers, but I've done as much reading as, you know, there's not a lot out there about like bass spawning studies and such, but like, I think any of us with common sense and, and like you said, with the gobies and the way that yeah. they're, the way that you're watching what happens when that fish is removed from where it's able to spawn, you know, it's not able to do its job. Right. No. You know, and, and especially when it's in a tournament situation, when that fish is completely removed from the situation, you know, and it's, and it's not able to spawn for maybe eight, 10 hours, it might never finish it because right. of the fact that it's so stressed out. You know, I've read studies where like those fish will just simply go back offshore and reabsorb their eggs right. and ne never spawn never because spawn. they're stressed out. Yeah. And when you have a situation where like those guys, the, even if it's a derby, that's only 25 boats, right. They're looking for the five biggest that they can that's catch right. in the whole lake. Exactly. You know? Those are all the oldest and most fragile fish, yep. potentially because of their age and because of, especially when you get it up, up north where you yep. have cold, clear water, those fish take mm -hmm. 18, 20 years to grow. Um, I just think it's, we need to take a, a like Nick said, yeah. take a step back yeah. and, and, and maybe look at it from another angle. You know, like some of my friends from Canada fish that. Canada just opened like a, a small, like two week window this spring for the first time ever where they could do like a catch and release season. On um, It was way before, like way early pre-spawn. And some of my friends that fished that window caught fish of like the next caliber right yeah. like like unbelievable limits and stuff fish that had never been messed with pre-spawn mm -hmm. right because they've been protected their whole life right and it makes you wonder like if we were able to protect protect our fish in do the it way for of a generation yes do it for 15 years and let's yes. see what happens yep i like, mean just you know yeah i just wonder if it could have a positive impact yeah. as well and i think we should do more research on it you know like the, the oh, dnr absolutely. should try whatever we got to do like as an angler if i got to help you know watch this area or we got to watch this lake or we close this lake for this you know yeah. i just think that it, it's not going to hurt to study it and and yeah. and take a, a look back so that we can like you said so that we can continue to do this yeah and especially you know I come from a tournament background. We've all fished tournaments, yeah. and that's kind of been my focus. I, and it's it's like, yeah, we're in a heyday right now. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the smallmouth are giant. Yes. There's a lot of big old ones. And I I just am someone that looks down the road a little further and mm -hmm. says, okay, as a tournament organization, you rely on these fish to mm -hmm. be around. Because when they're not, mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen it. When mm -hmm. Kentucky Lake goes bad. Yes. Nobody goes there. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody goes there. Yeah. And and so protecting those resources is huge. And you would think that the organizations would would do some more maybe yeah. uh, provide yeah. uh, funding to these studies yes. or, yeah. or research because they're the ones that stand to gain the most, right? Yes. They're the yep. ones holding the tournaments. That's a they're great making point. a livelihood. And and we all like that. Mm -hmm. But if there's no smallmouth to catch or the weights drop off significantly yeah. Yeah. you're catching nine pounds of smallmouth on Lake yeah. Erie yeah. because the big ones have passed on. Yes. Well, not as many people are going to go fish tournaments that's on Lake right. Erie. Mm -hmm. and so now, and I, think, I don't know if that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. It just yeah. seems like there's something. I, there's something down the I don't worry, and it's probably bad to say, I guess, but I don't worry as much about the Great Lakes because there, sure. it is an ungodly amount of water. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. for us to deplete the smallmouth, it, it would just I don't even know what we'd have to It'd be a lot, right? So I don't worry as much about that. I'm These glacier lakes in northern Michigan and mm -hmm. northern Wisconsin, mm -hmm. these smaller glacier lakes are what I worry about. You know, I, I, I've kind of made friends with a, a guy that you guys probably know, Marcel Wienstrom. Yeah. You know? So he guides up there in northern Michigan quite a bit. And so I've, I've had a lot of talks with him just about what he's seen over the years. And Marcel, you know, he's like, man, it, these lakes are not at all what they used to be. He goes, you know, you used to come up here and you would catch numbers and, you know, you'd catch big ones, small ones. He's like, you catch a ton of fish. And he goes, it's just not that anymore. And and he sees exactly what I've seen in, in a very short time that I fished these lakes compared to him. You know, him and I have very similar, you know, aspects on like, well, this is, yeah, the, this spawn fishing is not good. Like that needs mm -hmm. to stop. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to, 
Yeah, to see if we could like spur something here. I don't know. I yeah. mean, that's you know, it's an interesting it's, topic. It's, yeah, yeah, it's worth it's very. worth worth bringing up because I think that like if the DNR was able to, you know, realize the impact and the, the not not only from like because the a lot of times when you talk to a DNR officer about it. They're like, well, that fish is past its prime, so it doesn't really matter if people are going to harvest that fish. But I think if we were to protect those fish in a way of, like, you could not keep any fish over 18 inches, right, yeah. at all, whether it be eating it or, you know, yeah. I think it would offer protection for those older ones. Absolutely. And I think if they saw just the economic benefit of how many guys would come all the way to northern Michigan mm. to fish for fish of a Absolutely. lifetime like right. that. Like, there's more to those fish. They're more valuable alive yes. than they are oh, as yeah. one I've old got, dude eating it. Oh, I've got yeah. horror stories from buddies that, <laughs> you know like over on torch and skag yeah. and all that during the spawn like there's guys and, and don't get me wrong there's nothing I, there's to us it's taboo but like there's people mm-hmm. that eat smallmouth yes and i've got buddies who are like yeah there's pontoons that roll around catch them off their bed and fill their coolers full yeah. of smallmouth yeah. and you're like what you're like that's like a nightmare dude yes what? it is <laughs> but it's totally okay for you know that's that's part of it like the season is open you're allowed to keep them yeah which sucks but yeah. you're allowed to so yeah. I think, but I think something there needs to change for sure. Yes. So, so yeah. Well, great insights there. I'm yeah. glad you brought up the conservation side of that, and we could kind of dive into that because it's been yeah. an interesting thing on my mind for the last couple of months. Uh, Absolutely. Just, just diving into more of just smallmouth in general and, and seeing what's going on with our mm-hmm. lakes and our ecosystems. So, yeah, that's that's great. We could do a, uh, a whole another talk we'll have about to talk that. more on that. Yeah, we I should research it some yeah, more. Yeah, yeah I, I, I do. I want to take some time to research it and. Continue just to monitor what I see on the water, you yeah. know, and, and see if other guys are seeing the same things and what can be done about it and, uh, you know, which organizations can help push right. those conservation yeah. efforts. Um, like I said, I think the tournament organizations should give it some thought Absolutely. because they stand to gain a lot. Absolutely. Like you said, those fish are worth more alive. Absolutely. And if there's more fish of that caliber, it's better for everyone. Yeah, it's, better for everybody. It's better for everybody. It's a better experience so for everyone. That's that's great stuff. But, yeah, man, um, Man, we don't want to keep you forever, no. but gosh, is is a really good, good conversation. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. This was, and, this was uh, uh, we had some good stuff in this podcast for sure. So yeah, yeah. Um, really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to to chat and hang out today at Schultz's. It's been fun. Yeah. Um, so what what's next? Where are you where are you off to next? You heading to Florida soon? Not not quite yet. I'm gonna not try yet. and ride out the ride out the, the late fall bite here as long okay. as we can. I fished till December 14th last year, so I hope oh, we can keep going go. that late. Nice. Um, it's uh. Uh, yeah, I think I'll probably plan to roll down to Florida somewhere sometime after Christmas. Cool. There you go. Stay, stick around Perfect. a little bit longer and see what we can do, yeah. and I'll just keep looking for a big awesome. one. Awesome. Still Heck hunting yeah, for a big man. one. Heck, yeah, that's awesome. Well, guys, Kobe Pellerito. Yeah, go good luck with him. all the uh, – Check him out on Instagram, all his social media. Yeah. post amazing content, and uh, he's a total bass head, man. Yeah, so <laughs> no, good luck him, with it all, man. And I'm sure he'll help you out and, with, with chasing these uh, Great Lakes smallmouth. So. Heck, yeah. Appreciate your time, Kobe. Thanks, Kobe. And uh, we'll continue this another day. Yeah. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah, let's go. Cool. Man. Not-